0: Hi, This is Sarah Jessica, once again. And this is also my podcast, Hot Shots, um, where I try to act like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, uh, if you haven't tuned in before, uh, this is a podcast where I interview musicians, artists, uh, and Canadian entertainment industry professionals about what it's like to work within the industry. So good, bad, ugly, everything in between. And uh, we usually pick a topic to discuss it. It's a lot more casual than just like a plain old interview. I like to focus it on something that we're both very interested in. And uh, tonight we're talking about the devil and I'm pretty fucking stoked. All right, so tonight I'm hanging out with uh, Derek Solomos. He is the alt rock and uh, heavy metal guitarist for the bands Corrosive and The Slime, and he's based in Toronto. So you can find Derek online at DerekDMoney98 on Instagram and under Derek Solomos on Facebook. And uh, Derek, is there anything else you wanted to plug?
1: That I wanted to do what, sorry?
0: Is there anything else you wanted to plug, uh, just besides your Instagram and Facebook? I'm not sure if there's any other platforms you're really, you know, interactive on.
1: That's all I really use. I mean, but, Mm -hmm. you know, if you want to connect with the bands, I mean, that's different. You go at Corrosive Thrash on Instagram, and uh, same thing with the Slime, but at the Slime Hardcore. Perfect. on Instagram.
0: Cool, cool, yeah. And then I guess they're on streaming services and everything. Are you guys on yeah, Bandcamp? Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. On where, sorry?
0: On Bandcamp?
1: Uh, yes, both bands are very much on Bandcamp.
0: Perfect. All right. Well, everybody, go check that out. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really psyched to talk about uh, what we're gonna talk about today, which is basically a lot of stuff about the devil, which is always cool. Um, but basically, you know, we're gonna be talking about like satanic panic and like the '80s and '90s and how it connects to heavy metal, and um, and then kind of how it's like coming back a bit, um, which is you know yeah. scary. Um, but yeah, all of that, all that cool stuff. Um, but like just before we jump into that, um, just going to introduce Derek here a little bit and, uh, I'm going to start with asking you, uh, where did you grow up?
1: Uh, initially born in Toronto, but have lived in Mississauga for 19 years now.
0: Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. And what kind of music did you grow up around?
1: Uh, Like the old classic rock stuff, mainly a lot of diverse stuff, though, mainly like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and the Who, a lot of like the British invasion stuff. Mm-hmm. But also a lot of soul, you know, so like, you know, James Brown, Aretha Franklin, Al Green, Marvin Gaye, you know, that was often the stuff that was played most frequently in the house, like growing up.
0: Cool. Cool. Yeah. And what was the first artist that kind of spoke to you? ACDC. Cool. Cool, cool. And what about it do you think um, that really sparked that for you?
1: Oh, like my, my interest in the band? Oh, um, yeah. the, the guitar playing.
0: Cool. And uh, when did you find yourself becoming like passionate about music? Uh, when did you find yourself really digging into you know the kind of bands that you were into and the sound you liked? And when did that passion begin for you?
1: Nine years old after I watched School of Rock. Yeah. That was really when I started to get into guitar playing. And uh, that was like my like when, I, when I became a fan, per se, of the music. But then I want to say around 12, 13 is when I became like a metal
0: guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. And um, when we're talking about uh, Corrosive and The Slime, uh, how would you describe those bands that you're a part of?
1: Corrosive mainly, like, in terms of, like, describe them in, like, what sort of way?
0: Yeah, like, the, I guess their style, their sound, you know, what, Um, how, yeah, what genre would you put them into, that kind of
2: thing?
1: Okay, well, Corrosive very much has, you know, a sound that's called thrash metal, so if people who are interested in early Metallica, Slayer, um, Sepultura, Creator, bands like that, Then you will absolutely love Corrosive if that's your kind of thing. And I would recommend that to people who are fans of those bands. Uh, The Slime, on the other hand, is more in the vein of like hardcore punk. So bands like the Crow Mags, DRI, the Bad Brains, Minor Threat, Black Flag, the Dead Kennedys go on all day. Uh, So, you know, fans of that kind.
0: Cool, cool. Yeah. And uh, what did you picture your career being like as a kid? And was it anything close to what you're doing right now?
1: Well, since I was nine, yes. But before that, I I, I can't say I remember much in terms of what I wanted to do before I was nine. Mm -hmm. But
2: Mm
1: -hmm. since I was nine years old, I've been focused exclusively on making sure that my, my life goal of being a touring musician is met. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to
0: stop. Yeah, yeah. So would nine-year-old Derek be proud? I'm sorry? Would nine-year-old Derek be proud?
1: <laughs> I think so. Ah,
0: <laughs> that's great. I yeah. think so. Yeah. And uh, when were you introduced to heavy metal?
1: Um, I mean, I guess the earliest memories would be like Metallica, you know, hearing them around, I want to say, 2008 or nine, I want to say, was when I kind of first heard Metallica. Okay. Uh, that'd probably be it. Although I did hear Black Sabbath much before Metallica, and, they're, and they are considered by many, and, you know, I'm among the many who consider them to be the first metal band, so really it would be hearing Black Sabbath and hearing
0: Metallica. True, true, true. And what were your family and friends' reactions when you started getting involved with, like, heavier music? Um, what would they say about that? What were their opinions about that? Um, well, I mean, you always have a few judgy people here and there who right. think that it's stupid. And they they, they they,
1: you know, fall into the trap of believing all the stereotypes about it. That it's all just a bunch of screaming and all the time, which... Is, you know a completely you know a take that lacks any nuance of any kind uh, so there's always there's always those people and you, you can't really let that bother you otherwise you know you're gonna go it, it's gonna be pretty hard for you but you know my parents were always supportive i I, I never felt like I had to conceal what I listened to because of them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I still don't you know my my dad has taken me to many metal shows before I was old enough to go on my own
0: Cool, cool. And uh, how? What were the reactions from like peers at school, teachers, relatives? Did you get you know more pushback there, or uh, what? What would you say?
1: I mean, there was rarely any pushback. I mean, that's good. I think that I think that especially amongst like, I, I guess it depends on the time you're living in. And I didn't really have the a, the, the same sort of like you know, side-eye that you'd get, you know, years ago would, you know, it doesn't really seem to fly in the same vein today as it did then, Mm -hmm. even though the music was much more popular, you know, 35, 40 years ago.
0: Totally. I would also say it depends on where you live as well.
1: I think that that has a lot to do with it too. And I mean, I went to high school in Oakville, yeah, uh, to a private high school. So, you know, uh, you know, there were, of course, you know, some side eyes and people who, like, you know, tried to say that their music was better than mine. But then again, that happens to everybody who listens to music that's kind of niche or kind of obscure. I've known people who listen to all sorts of things that are not part of the mainstream and are like, oh, that's, that's so, that's so, this ex insert year, here year many years ago. Yeah. That's like, good music doesn't have a clock on it. And, uh, it's bullshit that there are people who think that way, but yeah. you can't change, you can't change enough minds.
0: Yeah. Very true. So you never really felt like, um, and, and you know, again, I think it really depends on where you, where you grew up. Yeah. Where you lived. Um, I knew that, you know, where I grew up in like a small kind of farm town. So I knew people, Which is what? uh, Beamsville. Do you know Beamsville?
1: Isn't that east of um, St. Catharines?
0: Yeah, I believe so. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah it's, 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 yeah, it's a small place, yeah. For
0: sure, yeah. And, you know, I knew that anybody who was kind of alternative was definitely definitely stood out, you know, and they were definitely in the minority. Um, Mm -hmm. did you ever sort of, and again, like, I know it's a different experience, but did you ever feel like kind of an outsider because of your interests at all? Oh, for
1: sure. Oh, okay. For sure.
0: There we go. What was that like?
1: Um, in some ways I embraced it. In some ways I was like, why is it like this? Yeah. I, I embraced the fact that I was not like everybody else. I felt unique. I felt like I had an identity. I felt like I had my own sense, my own sort of sense of style and,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, how I, you know, I was like, you know, this was my thing, you know, nobody else was, you know, copying me. This was, in in many ways, I really, I really enjoyed that.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And yeah, I gotta say like, yeah, honestly, it was a similar experience for me. Um, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a metalhead per se, but like yeah. I was really into like I was into like emo as a kid and stuff yeah. and you know, yeah, I was definitely I was definitely alternative in a kind of like camo dominated town. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, so that was yeah. that was totally totally rough. Um yeah. when do you feel like you grew comfortable in your skin like with your interests and hobbies and when did that sort of outsider feeling um When did you decide that that, when did you embrace that, I guess?
1: Um, pretty, pretty, pretty quickly, honestly. I mean, Uh, like, you know, most people I know, um, their parents kind of liked some classic rock, you know, so they Mm -hmm. at least had heard some rock and roll. For sure. Uh, so it wasn't like, you know, it's not like I wasn't, um, Completely, I never felt completely like, "Oh, damn it, no one likes me." Yeah. Um. So I, I always kind of embraced the outsider sort of uh, vibe.
0: Totally, totally. And uh, I think that that's kind of the end of these warmer questions here. So I do okay. want to get into all of our satanic panic goodness, which I'm very excited <laughs> for. It's it, it's a it's a topic I'm I'm totally into. Um, mm-hmm so i guess you know for for anybody listening not a lot of people know exactly what that term means right um Mm -hmm. you know satanic panic you know what is that when was that um how would you describe satanic panic for uh someone who's never heard of it
1: well it was basically in, in in the 1980s in particular during the you know the Ronald Reagan era, mm-hmm. as uh, during his time as president, uh, there was a uh, a bunch of wives uh, of some powerful people in Washington, including Al Gore at the time, who was a senator. Uh, his wife, Tipper Gore, and uh, James Baker, who I believe was in the FBI. I think he was. I think he was the FBI director at the time. Although, if somebody has uh if I'm wrong about that somebody can correct me, but his wife as well, they were like the two top like the two like, you know, main people at the what was then called the PMRC. And they went on a crusade basically against not just heavy metal, but any kind of music that was even even remotely what they could see as deem as like inappropriate for kids. Yeah. You know, they had they had this, you know, the the, they tried to basically be the morality police mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they used these things but in particular they went after all kinds of music, but they've particularly used metal and hard rock as and 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 demonized it in a way that made it seem like it was a vessel for like people to get into things like the occult and you know practice satanic rituals, which you know, a lot of it was completely unfounded and, you know, it, it was a typical way of them blaming, you know, trying to find something to blame rather than, like, diving into deep issues that many people have, which is still being used today in many ways, just in a in a more sneaky way, I find.
0: Totally. 100%. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't even like, I mean, it was obviously about, you know, uh, uh, these, like, uh evangelists what what's the what i yeah, just said no, that wrong. the word yeah, <laughs> yeah evangelists yeah the evangelists. Evangelical Christians. yeah 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 i just pronounced that wrong <laughs> evangelists yeah. i've been reading too much not speaking um okay. <laughs> these yeah these Go evangelists on. who were um yeah t- talking about how um the music uh, heavy metal and everything was getting children into I mean yeah worshiping Satan satanic rituals and it's like that's all sounds very um you know mythical and it's kind of like well what what's the definition of that but they got it just it, they got so specific where they were saying it was getting them to murder and to they claimed that like these artists were like causing these kids to kill themselves like it was it got really intense right yeah there like were it was a lot like
1: cases there were a lot of cases where that ended up being it ended up being used and to this day even if, if, if any like really horrible person in society commits an act of violence or anything like that if they find if the media finds out that they listen to metal music they think that they found the reason as to why that person has has committed such an act or or
2: or, or even or even rap sometimes like yeah. you know you'll have you'll have, you know, if somebody ends up getting involved in a gang and shooting somebody, then it all must be that rap music. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so, like, you know, somebody like, you know, Marilyn Manson, for example, of whom I'm I'm not a fan of. Yeah. uh, But he was blamed for Columbine. Yeah. Even though he (laughs) had no connection to Columbine. Yeah.
0: Like, not a good dude, obviously, as we know now, but, like, Columbine? Like... (laughs)
1: He had nothing. He had nothing to do with Columbine. No.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely absurd. Uh, so I, I'd say that just to give a little bit of background to Satanic Panic and where that sort of came from. Um, uh, you know, I'd say it kind of it started warming up in like maybe like '69 because like with um, you know the Manson murders. That was a huge turning point, right? That like uh-huh. dissolved the end of like the sixties, the hippie free love movement and turn, you know, really soured, you know, American culture, right? Uh-huh. Um, you know, sort of like woke them up from that kind of dreamlike state, right? Um uh-huh. you know, and it's it's this cult and it's people who are murdering you know innocent people for no reason and they don't give a shit you know like it's like they're brainwashed it's like you know what is this it, it was horrifying right um, yeah. and actually the exact same year um funny enough which i mean i think it's a little bit tied not manson to this but the that these two are tied to satanic panic is um yeah. anton LaVey um published the satanic bible um, so that was actually the same year, 69. And then introduction of the 70s, we know that as kind of like the serial killer era, you know, so many, so many, you know, specifically in America, um, there are a ton of serial killers, you know, and it's like, it. it's just like panic, you know, and people dying all the time and you know, it's, it's, it, it's just, you know, I mean, it's horrifying, right? Um, and also in the 70s, um, The Exorcist came out, right? Um, and that really put the image of, you know, um, you know, demons and, you know, into people's heads, right? And exactly what, you know, um, struggling for words here, but in, yeah, introduced that idea of, you know, of demons, in our you know in our everyday society going after children you know that sort of thing like the people now had a vision for that right Yeah. Um, so then yeah satanic panic like you mentioned kind of started in like the 80s and you know continued through the 90s um and i would say yeah is definitely 100 making waves again um today especially when we see things like q um uh, uh-huh. you know and all all the shit they fucking do um to even oh, like that 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 that
1: takes it to a level that is insanity beyond comprehension <laughs> like oh, I, yeah. I don't really mean to get political but like yeah. at the same time it doesn't it doesn't you know seem to you know something like things like that are I just I you know there are certain things that are like conspiratorial that definitely have truth to them i would be i would be you know a liar if i said i don't think that some of that stuff is
2: true but that whole QAnon thing is just that shit crazy yeah
1: and i, I you know it's 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 just it's so out of the realm of possibility that there's no it, none of it is believable
0: yeah oh yeah oh yeah but there's definitely you know you you see the roots of satanic panic in that and also oh, you
1: definitely. know yeah, they believe they believe that they believe that Hollywood celebrities and and liberal slash Democratic politicians are part of a satanic cult.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like
1: they, they literally believe this stuff, and mm-hmm. it's not like all oh, they're just using it for 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 you know for for certain gates. No, they actually believe this crapola. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. It's horrific. Yeah, and you know that that shit sounds so insane um but like if we see you know rip, it started in the 80s and 90s there are ripples of that insanity that have just kind of grown to what we're seeing as QAnon now right um, yeah, you know, I'll, go and,
1: a, I'll go a step further actually i think mm-hmm.
0: it even started in
1: the 60s in a way
2: because
1: hmm. there was that whole thing with the beatles
2: when mm-hmm. john lennon john lennon said you know oh,
1: the beatles are more popular than jesus christ Right. Which caused an absolute firestorm. Mm. In today's day and age, no one would care if somebody said that, but this is over fifty years
0: ago. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, um, and I, I would say that today there's like, it, it's 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 leaking in through music again, um, and like like you mentioned with rap, like one hundred percent. Um, just to, you know, remind people, like, I'd say, like, uh, will, when, uh, when Lil Nas released his Montero video, um, where he's, you know, like lap dance, giving a lap dance to Satan and stuff. And Uh then, you know, people are going off about, you know, yeah, saying he's encouraging children to, you know one be gay, there's a lot of homophobic stuff included in that, um Definitely. but also, yeah, it's the saying that it's like about worshiping Satan, and it's like, Jesus Christ, can you not can you not read between the lines about this like it's like it's it's just completely absurd, um uh-huh. or even like the conspiracies around um uh the astral world disaster, were you seeing those
1: um, I have not seen anything about that thing, but that would not none of that would surprise me.
0: Yeah. No, there were like, yeah. There was I mean, again, it's I didn't
1: think of for a second what astroworld World was, but now right. I remember.
0: Yeah, Travis Scott's festival, yeah, where those people were crushed to death. Yeah. Um yeah. I mean just just, you know, people saying it was, you know, it was satanic, um, that it was that that was a ritual to like open a portal to hell or something it was like that those people were killed for satan it it, it was like i'm like uh-huh. what the fuck is happening like <laughs> like yeah. are you are you good um but it's 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 here you know it's still around and you know i i want to i want to also stress like when we're talking about satanic panic it's not just about censoring media so you yeah. know you know, there's, you know, you know, we're talking about movies and, and and music and um things like Dungeons and Dragons, which, you know, we know has a, a big stupid history of, you know, being called the same things, you know, um, mm-hmm. encouraging kids to murder and kill themselves and worship Satan mm-hmm. and all that. uh it encompasses everything. Yeah, yeah. But satanic panic was used oh. against people in real life shit. It was used to put people behind bars where this delusion and conspiracy led to like like dozens of people being wrongfully convicted for crimes they didn't commit (laughs) you know and in certain cases for decades right like this is not just you know you know media conspiracy it had real world impact right yeah um what what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of that, uh, when you think about like the real world impact that these, these sort of conspiracies had.
1: Well, Ozzy Osbourne getting sued in 1981 or two, something like that. Yeah. uh, He got sued because um, apparently some kid heard the lyrics to the song, suicide pollution, and then offed himself and the family sued Ozzy for that.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And, You know, obviously he was not found guilty because, you know, he was not culpable in any of this, which, you know, should come as, you know, you know, obvious to anyone, but that's not the only one. There's, there, there's been others. Judas Priest got sued in 1990 for something similar, claiming some, some people who claim to be experts in subliminal messages, uh, took one of their songs, which by the way, was a cover song, uh, and said that and tried to play the song backwards mm-hmm. and tried to construe it as if they were saying, do it as an encouragement to kill yourself. Yeah. Like this stuff would this stuff literally sounds like something you would read in The Hard Times or The Onion. Right. But mm-hmm. it's real life. This was a legit thing. Yep. They went to court over
2: this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and that's actually um that that playing a song backwards and hearing subliminal messages um that that recording technique is um called back masking um so it's basically where a message is recorded backwards onto a track that is meant to be played forwards um you know it's an artistic decision that anybody can do on a record you know um But the idea that these, you know, evangelists and and politicians and and, you know, these right wing extremists spread is that even even if a message was only recognizable when the record was played backwards, that these messages would still be like some subliminally digested. Like that, you would still yeah. you that your brain would uh, subconsciously still ingest these messages, even if you don't know you're hearing it, uh, which is like yeah. <laughs> like absurd. Yeah, um,
1: it's like kind of something that makes me laugh my ass off.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, and you know when when something like um, you know I there's an instance here where. Um, you know, these people claim that in Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven, uh, they claim that they heard when they played the song Backwards, I sing because I live with Satan. The Lord turns me off. There's no escaping it. Here's to my sweet Satan, which is sick. But, <laughs> um, yeah, not there. Um, but yeah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, you know when if you go and you play that song backwards and you for anybody who's you know who isn't familiar with this um if you if you play the song backwards you might hear that you know you might be like oh my god but I do hear those words um yeah. but that that um phenomenon it's it's called um uh paradolia paradolia that word scares me when i read it paradolia it's <laughs> so it's the same reason that we see like faces in inanimate objects like you know you see a face in like the markings on a tree or you see you know you know yeah. a car in the clouds or something it's you know our brains are designed to recognize patterns and you know if we're suggested that there is one that exists then we'll place it there right mm-hmm. um so something that's gibberish you know if you're if if someone says you know that sounds like hail satan you listen to it again you'll heal you'll hear hail satan right uh-huh. you know it doesn't mean it's actually there but you'll start to hear it um and again these you know these you know uh these extremists would you know there's no hint you know there's no um they would just grab a song or an album from an artist that they didn't like, that they decided they wanted to find something in, right? Yeah. And then just play these songs backwards and then just try to dig something out of it. Like, it's like absolutely ridiculous. Uh, yeah. So and another thing that I found was really funny was um, Kiss, because of course Kiss are, you know, the most extreme, rebellious, um, terrifying band out there. Uh, they were accused of having um, their name actually mean Knights in Satan's service, which is very funny. Yeah. Yeah, which is
1: incredible. Yeah, no, that's been,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, what what I found really funny is, like, uh, you know, along with, you know, um, uh, but I, I still, why can't I evangelist evangelist oh my god i can't why can't i say it
1: evangelist
0: right yeah i know
1: it's it's the same thing
0: i know i know evangelist evangelist along with like you know evangelists and and you know you know right-wing politicians and everything there were so many um like as i was like googling this and looking into things there were so many um Uh, organizations created by parents specifically and like you know like you know christian you know right-leaning parents who would create these um. Yeah, these communities, these organizations, to like, yeah, fight against <laughs> these musicians who were creating, you know, music who was tainting their, who was, uh, who were tainting their kids. You know, like it's like yeah. it's it's very funny how many of those I found. Um, you know that there was there was a group called um, Parents Against Subliminal Seduction or PASS who were like trying to block rock concerts at, at venues, and yeah. then um, there's um. The Parents Music Resource Center.
1: Yes, the Uh, PMRC. Yeah. That's what was formed. Yeah. By by Susan Baker and by Tipper Gore.
0: Yep. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. And so they wanted to create a rating system to signify to parents how harmful music could be for their kids. Right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, because obviously they had those government connections, um, you know, they were were able to, you know, have meetings uh, with the U.S. Senate um and around i think it was yeah it was 1985 and you know they were yeah. y- they listed you know a whole they god i a just yeah yeah it, yeah yeah it, i just found how disgusting is it that they sat there and blamed these young kids suicides on these musicians like it's I just mean, like
1: yeah it's- pretty disgusting but it's also just you know it's it's the 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 corruption of the politicians is it's 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 beyond it's beyond words i mean like it's it's the people who are the think that they're the most highbrow the most morally superior and they constantly feel like they need to dictate the lives of other people by saying hey you should or should not listen to this this is this this is that but mm-hmm. then, when you went, the, you know, to their to their detriment, you know, you're a victim of your own success. Sometimes that literally is what propelled all these people who otherwise did not listen to that music to go and listen to it. Yep. Whether it was Prince, whether it was um, Sister, whether it was N.W.A. Mm-hmm. and you know, later in the '80s. it'd be this revolutionary thing to help get rid of everything was to their detriment because more people, more people consumed it after that. They saw that parental advisory sticker. All right. What can I get from this?
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: People are just naturally attracted to what they think they can't have. Yeah. So, so human nature literally disproves all their nonsensical theories.
0: Oh, 100%. Like every single musician they slander, just like, it, it just encouraged people to go listen to them. Like, yeah,
1: and if I was around back then and I saw that, hell yeah, I'd,
0: oh, yeah. I'd, I'd be the first one in line. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so for for anybody who, who missed that, um, this parent, Parents Music Resource Center, this organization, created the Parental Advisory Explicit Content label. Um, because of this Satanic Panic, that's what created that label. Uh, and they slapped it on everything that was, you know, sexually explicit, that, you know, Whatever that just like didn't fit their mold of what was okay for kids to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that's what they did. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, a little bit after that, um, you know, obviously, as we're talking about, you know, it, 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 it helped um it it hurt musicians in a way but it also helped you know it's sort of like uh but there there was a censorship that was going on immediately after that label was created because family-friendly stores like walmart and stuff didn't want to sell those albums because they're like oh that makes us you know look bad you know um we don't want that on our shelves um so what record labels because they got so much money out of walmart from buying those cds um they then started to like change album covers for certain artists or like you know create like a separate album that could be sold at walmart um you know editing or removing explicit songs you know like just like censorship right (laughs) on these on these artists so that they could sell them at walmart you know um which is which is gross uh and um you know when when we're talking about um this affecting rock so much right that genre specifically um uh-huh. it's always sort of been accused since the beginning of being linked to the occult and the devil in some way right <laughs>
1: very beginning yeah since like even before the beatles were were famous oh yeah even even before elvis the beatles any of these like famous rock bands or artists even before all that it was always there you know whether it was through people like chuck berry eddie cochran bill haley you know the you know you go down the list you know bass domino all these people at one point, even it it even predates rock too. Like you go back to the blues days, like even someone like Robert Johnson, Mm -hmm. who, you know, for those who don't know Robert Johnson, he's probably one of, if not the most famous blues guitar player of all time. And yes, ever, uh, you know, he was accused of selling his soul to the devil. Mm -hmm. So this predates rock and roll even. Oh yeah, but but the but the the power of the evangelical Christians uh, as a as a political force mainly became a thing in I want to say really the eighties are when they've really had the most political power. They've always been around, but as a force, a political force, they've always been since since probably for like yeah, the forty years. You know yeah. about it's really been there. The Christian right has basically controlled every aspect of American life for you know that long.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yeah,
1: yeah, ex- ex- exactly. I, uh, yeah. I, I, it's it's one of those things that just like kind of grinds my gears.
0: Ah, oh, God, no, me too. And uh, you know, as you mentioned, yeah it it was starting with the it started with the invention of the blues. Really, you know, as soon as you know that the blues was called the devil's music. Right. It was. Um yeah. And I, I like that you brought up Robert Johnson, um, you know, the first um the first member at the twenty seven club. Um which it in, was, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, which in itself is basically a satanic conspiracy, right? Of course. Yeah. Everything's a conspiracy. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure a lot of people know what the 27 Club is. um, But, you know, if anybody doesn't, it's mainly, yeah, I think it's all musicians, although I see like edited versions of who's in the club and who isn't. But it's mainly musicians who died at 27. um, And the conspiracy behind that is that they sold their soul to the devil so that they could have this talent and this fame. And then basically their soul is collected at 27. Um, So, Famous members again, Robert Johnson, but also like Brian Jones, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, uh, mm-hmm. Kurt Cobain, Amy Winehouse. Yeah, yep. all that. Um, why? Why do you think rock and you know blues, as it's you know its beginning, um, has this history? Do like what do you think about rock in itself is often so demonized?
1: Um, it's a difficult question to answer.
2: Yeah. Because
1: it really requires like a lot of like very like a lot of like psychoanalyzing of a lot of
2: things that are so specific. Yeah. Um.
1: Maybe for the blues, maybe at one point there was like a racial component to it. For sure. Yeah. Um. However, at, however, a lot of a lot of African Americans in the South at the time uh, were also very religious. Yeah. So. It's kind of hard to 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 say for sure whether it was a race thing or not. Mm-hmm. um I'm sure for some for some it definitely was, but there also was a strong force within the african American community in the South who were also quite religious at the time uh, and uh I don't know it's 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 a very difficult question that doesn't have an easy answer,
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean it's always it's always a mix and you know, you know, blues was obviously created by black people and you know, for black people. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, and a reason why it was called the devil's music is, yeah, because there were a lot of black people who were very, yeah, very religious, very Christian, and who saw, you know, a certain amount of blues, obviously not all blues, but a lot of blues that was about, you know, sex, drinking, hanging out in nightclubs, that kind of thing. And that was considered sinful, right? Um, So a lot of the time, that's that's what linked to that. Um, Why? So why do you think um heavy metal specifically often is so drawn to like satanic um you know uh anti-catholic anti-christian imagery you know like the kind of gothic imagery um you know it's it's something that's very it's something that you see in rock but like very um centralized in heavy metal and uh, where do you think that started, and what do you think um, inspired that?
1: Well, a lot of it definitely has to do with an element of shock. Yeah. Because the human mind is fascinated by the darker side of life. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
1: So it definitely comes from that to an extent. And in a lot of ways... uh one thing a lot of metal artists like to do and still to this day, it's always about pushing the boundaries. Because for things like that, um you know there's gonna be a relative amount of reception to it and uh it's a vessel for you know, like honestly and I I I, I, I view I think the, I think of this very much so that, you know, it's if anything, it's actually lifted a lot of people out of this out of like you know, dark, you know, paths in life. You know, I can say the same for myself. You know, I don't know what I would be doing without something like heavy metal, but it definitely, I think the biggest reason it's linked with it is it pushes certain boundaries that even rock wouldn't push. Uh, you know, cause there was a certain point where like rock was like, oh, okay, it's a I guess, I guess we accept it now.
2: Mm. Cause like, you don't really hear the same kind of stuff said about rock as you did back in the sixties or seventies.
1: No, no, like, like you know, because most of the older, of what we consider the older generation, they grew up on that. Yeah, you know, I know people in their seventies and sixties who are who who are like big fans of classic rock music. Yeah, and at the time they they you know that was what they were listening to, and they're still listening to it to this day. My dad has a cousin who's like fifteen, twenty years older than him, and he still listens to like classic rock stuff. Yeah, that's how my dad got into classic rock in like the early seventies. Yeah, so. You know, right right then and there, you know, that's where it kind of all started. But at the same time, you know, again, like, I don't think anybody ever accused Pink Floyd of being like a vessel for the devil.
2: <laughs> no. But, no.
1: You know, it was, it's always been people who've got a bit of an edge to them. And, you know, when when somebody like Iron Maiden says 666, the number of the beast, you know, purely for shock value to be like, hey, this stuff's cool, you know the darker side of life kind of, you know, takes over and people it freaks people out.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which leads to moral panic. And, you know, there's a history of moral panics that have often never really gone anywhere.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: like, and the satanic panic is just one of, uh, I don't know, a million other things. Like another, another example would be like when, you know, the sexual revolution in the sixties happened with, you know, the birth control pill being available mm-hmm. that caused a moral panic in you know, deeply Christian societies. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I'm sure others too, but we live in the Western world and, you know, which is predominantly Christian. So, you know, that's what we're talking about. And so, yeah, like it, it that, that was a moral panic because they worried it would destroy the family structure, quote unquote.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think one of the worst things come out of uh satanic panic was Christian rock, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I think it's very it, that's very well known and yeah, yeah, it's kind of it kind of defeats the whole purpose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, just by definition. Yeah.
1: yeah. Literally though.
0: Yeah. Um, I think I I wanna touch a little bit on a story that I'm very passionate about. Um it's it's a little dark, so everybody, you know, get ready for that. Um, but there's there's a true crime story that was I mean there are I mean, there is, there is a, you know, Wikipedia list of different (laughs) true crime and true crime stories that, you know, were based in satanic panic, right? Like I could go on forever about that. Um, You know, it's, it's truly horrifying. uh, But there is one that is specifically linked to not only satanic panic, but, you know, panic around heavy metal around, you know, um, yeah, around uh, music linked to supposed satanic crimes um and before i get into that um i do want to ask um (laughs) and you know it's related um but are you a stranger things watcher Derek?
1: um i have not watched it but of course i've heard i've heard everything about uh everything about the uh the Eddie Munson character, who all the metal guys have, and, and chicks have been going crazy over—it's like finally a character that represents us on TV.
0: Right, right. It's been kind of inescapable, um, but you know, it's it's great because they do—they literally talk about Satanic Panic in that season of Stranger Things. Um, really? Yeah, um, yeah. Season four, Stranger Things. Um, for anybody who's watching, I don't want to spoil too much, just in case. Um, but Annie Munson is a character who's introduced and he's, yeah, middlehead, um, you know, nerdy, uh, runs a Dungeons and Dragons club, um, you know, a bit of a social outcast, uh, you know, friends with the main boys and stuff in the show. And uh, he, hmm, how do I say this without spoiling anything? He gets accused of doing something he didn't do um, and is accused of because he runs Dungeons and Dragons club. He is accused of that not being a Dungeons and Dragons club, but of being a satanic cult. Uh, and he ends up being kind of forced to be on the run um, because because there's kind of a witch hunt that gathers, trying to find him. And, um, yeah, saying that he's he's a Satan worshiper and, and blah, 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 you know. Uh, so that's what happens in season four of Stranger Things. And um, it's based on a a, a real story. Um, A story that's very close to my heart that I've known for years. Um, And I was able to recognize that pretty quick, but I didn't realize it was uh, something that the Duffer brothers actually were purposeful about until they admitted it in an interview. That they based um, Eddie Munson on uh, Damien Eccles. So Damien Eccles is um, one of the boys in the West Memphis Three case. So... Uh The West Memphis Three uh, is a case that happened in about like 1993, so kind of like mid Satanic Panic. Um, yeah, in oh, for sure, yeah. Um, and it took place in Arkansas, so in West Memphis, Arkansas, so very Bible Belt, Southern, conservative, you know. Um, so Damien was a metalhead, kind of goth kid who was interested in, you know, read a lot of, and like. <laughs> one of the things that's brought up during this trial is uh, Stephen King and I'm like Stephen King is so incredibly mainstream like <laughs> yeah. it's so funny how they they brought up
1: he likes metal too actually
0: yeah yeah and I'm like bro it's Stephen King like you brought up him as an example of how extreme Damien Knuckles is it's just it's very funny With Stephen King, uh, Damien was into like, you know, Eastern religion and like, and Wicca and like just a whole bunch of things that weren't conservative Christian um, shit, you know? Like, (laughs) so uh, he was, he was um, 18. And then the two other boys of the West Memphis Three were 17 and 16. And what happened in 1993 is that uh, three eight-year-old boys were found um, murdered in their town. And um, uh, it's you know it's it's a there's a long history with uh, Damien having trouble with the local law enforcement. He was a shit stirrer. Um, people didn't treat him very well, and so he reacted by, you know, uh-huh. taunting them and by shit disturbing, as you do as a teenage boy, you know. Um, so, and he, there were specifically, you know, cops and people in that area who really didn't like him. Uh, and they immediately, as this murder happened, as those eight-year-old boys' bodies were found, uh, there was a cop who immediately thought of Damien, Um which is, yep, no, you know, no evidence, no, you know, no hints, no nothing. Just, you know, oh, Damien. Uh, so, yeah, so Damien Nichols, um, uh Jason Baldwin and Jesse Miss Kelly, they were the three teenage boys who were brought in and accused of murdering these three eight-year-olds. And um, Damien was pinned as the ringleader because he was the one who was the most... Um, uh, intimidating of the three. Uh, Jason was like a 16 year old a kind of scrawny kid who really looked after his single mom and his little siblings and like not not intimidating person um, and Jesse who wasn't even friends with the other two boys um, but he was also intellectually disabled um, which actually plays into uh, that trial uh, disgustingly enough where the cops were able to manipulate him Um, really fucking disgusting shit. Uh, and so these three, so the, the entire trial again in 1993, um, the prosecution built, uh, their, their case on the idea that because Damien was who he was, they could, you know, their prosecution was look at him. Look at the things he likes. Look at the T-shirts he wears, the books he reads, the things he writes in his diary, these sorts of, you know, these you know, emo stuff, goth stuff, heavy metal. Um, look at him and tell me that he wouldn't kill three boys. That's what the prosecution was based on. There was no shred of evidence. Um, some of the boys had alibis. Uh, there was no, no fingerprint, no hair, no nothing at the scene of the crime. But these three were put away because the trial was built on the idea that they sacrificed these boys in a satanic ritual. Um, and they were put away. So Jason and Jesse were put away for life. Damien was put on death row. He was sentenced to death. Um, and thankfully, after 18 years in prison, they were released until 2011. Um, but that took, I mean, one, 18 years, but, uh, they actually, it, it's quite, it's quite the expansive story because, um, as they were, as they got put in jail, um, this documentary series was released called, um, Paradise Lost. And, uh, that's actually what the Duffer brothers watched and
1: there took. Was a band actually with that name too now. Paradise
0: Lost, oh yeah? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> cool, cool. Um, but yeah, that documentary series is about the trials, is about these, you know, the boys, is about the murders and and how they were, you know, wrongfully convicted, right? And put away without a shred of evidence. Like I, you know, I want to stress that, you know, is that there was not a shred of evidence connecting them to the crime. Uh-huh. Like just like oh, so um So those those documentaries were released and they ended up getting in the hands of a bunch of people, including celebrities. So including people like Eddie Vedder, um, Henry Rollins, um, the Dixie Chicks, um, Johnny Depp, actually Johnny Depp also. Um, And then they end up making their way to um, Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh, um, you know, director of Lord of the Rings. Um, and so as this kind of made circles around in these famous, you know, around these famous circles, um, they banded together and, you know, created an innocence campaign for the three of them focusing on Damien because, you know, he was being put to death and so they don't know when they're going to kill him. Um, and so they, Peter Jackson, Fran Walsh funded the innocence campaign and, you know, it was headed by, you know, Henry Rollins and Damien, I mean, um, uh, henry Rollins and <laughs> eddie better and uh and johnny depp they were definitely the faces of it for sure uh, yeah and and just and spread the word and you know um created uh fundraising campaigns and held concerts for them and, and stuck with it for like 18 years until these guys were released um and it's 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 a pretty fucking insane story um but one that's yeah one that's Directly, um one that Satanic Panic is directly responsible for, and that those conspiracy theories, you know, created and and mm. punished these guys for eighteen years. um Yeah, have you have you ever heard of that?
1: Of uh, the case you just you just mentioned? Yeah. Uh yeah a little bit yeah okay. I I wouldn't say that I'm fully versed in it the way I think you seem to be but I I definitely I've definitely heard of it absolutely
2: totally totally.
0: So, yeah, um, yeah, that's definitely if, if anyone's, you know, anyone's interested in that case, you know, you the Paradise Lost trilogy, it's like it's it's got some faults to it, some big faults. Um, I would say the documentary to watch is West of Memphis. That is the most recent one that came out like 2014 or so, 2013. And that kind of encapsulates the whole story from beginning to end. Um yeah and then Damien Knuckles has a really cool autobiography called Life After Death um about just everything so yeah and uh you know that is not that is not a um uh that case is not alone like <laughs> there were there were a bunch of different cases uh that were <sighs> but i can't I can't speak tonight for some reason <laughs> I'm having difficulty uh, yeah that's that's not the only time that people were put in prison for years and for even like a decade and more um based on lies and conspiracy theories and and just like bigotry uh based on yeah satanic panic it's uh. Oh, it is, it's, it's quite, quite the phenomenon. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to hit on?
1: I think we kind of hit on everything that, uh, that uh, is uh, out there and uh, also, but, but, you know, should be reiterated because, you know, again, it all, it all, it all comes, you know, back to just the nonsense of, you know, some conspiracies that, you know, have, you know, literally ruined people's lives. I mean, there's always going to be stuff out there that's a little bit niche, a little bit fringe. But it's, you know, to the point where it, you know, ruins lives, that gets a little overboard.
0: (laughs) It's a little extreme. It's a little extreme. Just a little. Yeah, they could calm down, you know. Yeah. Just a little. Yeah, yeah. And... A total big warning because it's it's still here, you know. It's still coming back. We're still seeing it happen, you know. Especially when we're seeing the rise of you know these right wing extremists in America, you know, governing and and making rules for people. You know, we're 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 seeing that. Yeah, the so called
1: the the so called small government
0: people. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? Jesus Christ. Um. Yeah, and and. God, it's it's scary. It's scary. Um, sure is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm seeing a lot of, especially, you know, hom- homophobic propaganda Um, and, you know, connecting it to, like, you know, we're seeing a lot of homophobic propaganda calling, you know, drag queens or, you know, gay teachers or anybody that, that wants to say a single thing about lgbtq community Uh, 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 i can't speak tonight jesus christ (laughs) anyone who wants to say anything about the lgbtq community to children uh that they're labeled as groomers right and that yeah which
1: is is actually an old uh um, tactic oh yeah that's nothing new actually like that's been going on for many years yeah you know they just feel like they just feel like they, like, cause for, for a few years, like they, they couldn't really go there. Um, yeah. because like, you know, the attitudes around those things were changing for the better. And, you know, in many ways they still are, but the difference now is that they've had somebody who's completely crazy like Trump as the president. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, unfortunately the members of his cult base, believe in all that bigoted bullshit. Mhm. So they have they they have to placate their egos because they can't win without doing that.
2: Mhm. Mhm.
0: Yep. And I I actually, you know, I do want to bring up um a, literally another another satanic panic case. Um uh-huh. called the the uh the San Antonio 4. Um which also happened in the 90s. Uh-huh. Yeah, also happened in the 90s, where four Latina lesbians were accused of sexually assaulting two little girls during like a uh-huh. satanic ritual sort of thing, you know? And they All were right. put away, again, for like a similar, like over 10 years. Um, they were released in like, I think they were, well, actually, I think they were released a little bit earlier, but they were pardoned in like 2018 or so. So this like, yeah. they, they just, they like uh where where were they where were they convicted um oh in s- Antonio. yeah yeah so Texas, yeah. yeah um so they were you know that their government just admitted that they got something wrong in like 2018 um but yeah it, it's i mean the exact same again this is the 90s exact same propaganda that's being used today right yeah like oh, horrific shit um so we can come back guys so just uh be careful about that, yeah, yeah, keep your eyes out, watch that, yeah yeah,
2: just
1: just just watch it yeah that's that's what you can say,
0: yeah, yeah, well, I mean, what can we look forward to seeing from you, Derek?
1: <laughs> oh, like for myself as a as a musician,
0: totally, yeah, you know, you know plug, plug your stuff, plug sure, yeah. well, your um, like.
1: you know. Lots of gigs. Mm -hmm. Lots of gigs with both Corrosive and the Slime. The next, uh, for those listening, the next... uh, When will this be uploaded?
0: Uh, This is going to be up August 1st.
1: August 1st, okay. So, uh, after August 1st, then, (laughs) (laughs) because there's a gig before then, but uh, the next gig that the Slime will be playing after August 1st will be on... August 20th, that's a Saturday, at The Rock Pile in Toronto. And Corrosive's next gig will be at Hard Luck in Toronto on August 26th. That's a Friday. Uh, so in terms of gigs, that's, those are the next ones. But um, The Slime is currently writing new music. You know, we're always, we're always writing. Uh, we hope to enter the studio this year to record uh EP or full length. We'll see where we'll see what happens with that. And Corrosive is almost done. I believe by the uh by the time this is uploaded, we will be done recording vocals for the album, uh, which is slated to be out later this year, so keep an eye out for that.
0: Amazing. I'm looking forward to it. And um I mean I guess thank you so much for joining me. This was I'll super just, cool. Uh, yeah, thank you. I I really appreciate you taking the time and um. No problem. You know the I I I'm super super passionate about this topic. I think it's super interesting uh-huh. and and again as we're uh-huh. saying it's not gone, um. Uh-huh. So there's always more stuff to talk about, <laughs> and um, I guess just like you know, hail Satan. Uh
1: yeah, Satan yeah. has arrived.
0: There we go. All right. <laughs>
1: you, know, you know the amount of bands that have written a song that says you know. You know, Venom wrote "In League with Satan."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, they wrote a bunch of songs that say, you know, that have Satan in the title.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, if you wanna, if you wanna, you know, hear some like stuff like that. I mean, the truth is there are bands that actually are satanic, like like some black metal bands in Norway are like legitimately satanic. But I right. would be careful with some of them because some of them have like, the, some of them are like. I mean, and I would, and it's not because of the, of the Satan stuff. It's more. Because there there are some bands in the in Norway and like a lot of the Nordic countries, some of them have some like they have they sing about like some like fringe right wing stuff. That's like stuff that I I don't want to be associated with.
0: True, you do have to. I guess you do have to be careful with that. Yeah, no, I've I've heard of them. Yeah, like the black metal Norway bands and stuff.
1: Yeah, like, yeah. there are there are plenty of bands. Like I, I wouldn't want to say plenty, but there mm-hmm. are certain bands that like are. You know, that are like they they sing about like national socialism and stuff like that, which Yikes. I don't I don't I don't want to be associated with.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm good, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for everything. Thank you for sharing some of your knowledge on this with me. Um, I really appreciate that. And uh, I think this is no super problem. fun to talk about.
1: Yeah, I I, I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, amazing. Well, you you have a great night, and I hope everybody listening enjoyed this. And um, hail hail Satan, but um, not in a bad way. Exactly. <laughs> there we go. Exactly. All right. Have a good night, dude.
2: You too.